So the unknown came in 2020 and it changed the workplace forever, right? Some of us are getting back to the office, but some of us find ourselves in a new normal at home. The future of work has changed and so is the future of seating. X-Chair is at the forefront of home and office seating during this transition. And now, X-Chair's newest innovation, the LMAX temperature regulation will take your seating comfort to a whole new level. Patent-pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling, heat, and massage in your lower back. Crazy, right? Are you feeling stressed from too many Zoom calls? Then turn on the LMAX massage therapy and relax. X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support was already best in class with incredibly responsive low back support. Now with LMAX, your comfort is guaranteed. You will not believe the difference until you feel it for yourself. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while you are working. Do this. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X chairrome.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and save $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now. Use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairrome.com Absolutely. He held a gun right on me and I told him, you know, I had the balls to shoot me, but you know, then he shot me. I remember like, you shot me, you know? But you knowing me from boxing, yeah, you might be a little surprised that somebody would tell somebody that that's holding a gun to them. But at the same time, you know that I have that streak, like I wanna talk shit to you. Especially now that I know that, that you're gonna kill me. So what, what am I gonna do? Be nice? Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 186 of the Jim Rohn Podcast. Always great to be with you, and especially today. In fact, I cannot wait to get to this conversation. I am joined by somebody who I consider to be a pretty amazing human being. I am joined by the one and only boxing legend, Christy Martin. Now, you may remember Christy as the coal miner's daughter. She is also a member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame after a long and impressive career, which saw her win the lightweight, junior welterweight, and senior welterweight titles. However... Her life away from the ring was pretty much a living nightmare. And after years of personal struggles, she survived a murder attempt at the hands of her ex-husband back in 2010. Thankfully, she is still with us and able to tell this incredible story, which is being featured in the newest episode of the Untold series on Netflix. And I'm happy to say that she and I were able to get caught up and she made time for our side hustle this week. This is an amazing conversation and I do not want to waste any more time. Let's get right to it. It's episode 186 of the Jim Rohn Podcast with Christy Martin and it's coming at you right now. Christy, it has been a very long time since you and I have spoken. I am so glad that we get the opportunity to do so again. How are you, Christy? You know, Rome, everything is good. Woke up this morning, trying to grow up and be a boxing promoter. You know, every, everything is on the upswing. 
I love that. That is great. So you're trying to grow up and be a boxing promoter, and I know you will. I want to say this. Your documentary, which is now available on Netflix's series Untold, is entitled Deal with the Devil. Christy, I watched this thing, and as I mentioned, you and I have not spoken in a long time. I know the story, but it is incredible. It's a riveting thing to watch. I'm really curious. What was it like for you to do it and then to sit and watch it yourself once it was done? Well, Laura Bronson did a great job with Netflix of putting everything together, like all the pieces in the right place and, and everything. It was hard, Jim. I mean, um, it was fun. No, let me let me say, like going through the boxing stuff and reliving the like the Don King days and and those big fights. That was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun to remember those times. Um, but then to listen to Jim Martin talk and to see him. Um, and to hear him take credit for everything, just like he did the entire time, you know, throughout my career, throughout our marriage, um, that, that was hard. Yeah, can I tell you something? It was, and and I didn't endure any of that. It was hard for me to watch, and I'm trying to be objective here. Hard for me even to watch and not be absolutely furious as to what I saw. I can only imagine what it must have been like for you. So, Christy, for those who do not remember, how did you first get into boxing? Yeah, I first got into boxing. I did a tough man contest fighting women, of course, in Southern West Virginia, way back in the day when I was in college. And just, I I didn't grow up thinking I want to be a boxer. I just, I just, for some reason, thought I wanted to do this tough man contest. And it was just like one thing progressed to the next. And then I would do it the next, you know, the tough man the next year. And then I had a pro promoter from Bristol, Tennessee, call me and ask me to come fight one of his girls. It just kept growing and growing, and, and then finally, you know, ended up with Don King. All right, so when you started doing that, you you were a great athlete growing up, but you had never really fought before, but you were immediately hooked. Like, what hooked you about boxing? What did you like so much about that sport when you started? You know what? I, I, I don't think I really realized it until probably recently, in the last few years. I, boxing probably hooked me because in boxing, it was okay to be aggressive. It was okay to to uh to talk trash and and you know if you could talk the talk walk the walk you know i I tried to do all of it and now that was me in some ways that was me at least i had fun being that person i don't know if that's the true me on the outside but i had fun being that person now you played that role brilliantly i mean you you did say certain things but you always backed them up and you were an absolutely magnificent fighter to watch and always left it all out there you got right to jim martin and you mentioned how hard it was to listen to him during that doc and to watch him, the promoter at that time told you about this guy named Jim Martin. Who was Jim Martin? Well, who Jim Martin was, was really no one. I mean, he, he had never trained any fighter that had any success on the, the like, even national level. Um, but he came to Bristol, Tennessee, he was training the heavyweight Mark Carrier at the time. And um, I got involved in that mix. He told me that he knew Don King personally and that, you know, he was good friends with Aaron Pryor and like he was a name dropper. And and I'm 22 years old and and like, wow, you know, taken back by, wow, this dude knows a lot of people and he's a big dog in boxing. So I started to listen to everything he said about boxing, all the all the information he tried to give me. I was like, I was like a sponge. I just, you know, I soaked up all the knowledge in the gym, but on the outside of the gym, he, he said, oh, let's go out to dinner. You know, we're both new to Bristol, so we didn't really have friends there. So I would go with him. But I also told him about who I who I was, who I am. 
Um, so when he says in this documentary that he didn't know that I was with a woman, he did know. He knew from day one when I walked in. So, um, and that was the way. He just lied. He lied throughout the entire marriage. And I just got to the point where I didn't really care if he lied. You know what? I was married to boxing. I was having a great time in front of the camera with a boxing boxing career, fighting on these Tyson cards, fighting for Don King, fighting with Chavez, all these guys, uh, Showtime. I mean, it was unbelievable stuff I was doing. But on the backside of it, he would always take credit for um, the cover Sports Illustrated. Well, I got on the cover because he talked to somebody and he got it done. But he had nothing to do with me getting on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, everything that happened, he always managed to some way tell me how it was because of something he had done. So let me drop some data on you. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss and Keeps offers both. So let me talk to you for a minute about Keeps. Keeps is offering a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your front door every three months. You do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments started only 10 bucks a month. Keeps offers generic versions, discreet packaging, proven results, and Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to jump on this right away. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome and get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome and get that first month for free. Again, keeps.com slash Rome. So he, you get introduced to Martin, and Martin starts to train you, and Martin doesn't get it at first, and then he sees you're different. He sees you're special, and all of a sudden he's saying things like, man, she outworks all of my male fighters. She will do what I ask her to do. I'm going to make her the best female fighter in the world. And then all of a sudden these things start happening, but Christy, to your point, like you made it very clear to him you're gay, yet you ended up marrying him. And then I know I hear what you're saying, that you were actually married to the sport of boxing and not him per se, but you were technically married to him. How did that happen? What exactly what happened? You know, the very truth, Jim, um, what happened was I was out with an ex and he came and walked in the bar and, and saw us together. And upon that time, he told me that he was going to call my dad, that he had already called my dad and that my dad had told him to throw all my stuff into the ocean. I was living in, in Florida, throw all my stuff in the ocean. And um, basically, if Jim didn't want me, they didn't want me either. So I was on my own to survive. So when he said that, I, I went back with him and and he asked me then would I marry him. And I did just because I felt like that's all I had. Like that was my only choice and that my family was going to and had basically told him they were done with me if if I didn't marry a man. Maybe that man didn't have to be him. It would just happen to be him at that day. So, Christy, I mean, that what an absolutely terrible thing to have to endure and listen to him. I'm curious because also in the documentary, you talk about how your mom would frequently side with Martin because Martin was a master manipulator and that he would con your parents what was it like for you to hear your parents side with 
your trainer is opposed to you? Yeah, it was it was hard. I mean, how how do you not take your child's side? To me, it's kind of like with your wife. You know, your wife may something say something in public that you totally disagree with, but the truth is, you have to stand by her side until you get to private. And then in private, you guys can maybe talk and say, you know, I really am not sure you were right there. Um, to me, the the child and parent relationship should be the same. The, you have to support your child at least publicly, and to others. And to Jim, she should have supported me, not took Jim's side. But she took Jim's side many more times than she, I, I don't know that she ever took my side or, or ever listened to my understanding or tried to understand what I was I was telling her about. Look, this man is, he's videotaping and, and audio taping everything that I do in this house. Um, yeah, her excuses, I just thought you were telling me it was crazy. And he was doing that. I'm gonna get to that. You want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. But as you mentioned, you you got before Don King, Christy. So you you're dealing with this like professionally, things are going well. Personally, things are not going so well. But you're a fighter, and you're doing everything you can to be as good as you can possibly be. You want to be the best. You meet with Don King. What do you remember about that initial meeting? What happened in that meeting? <laughs> yeah, so um, I got a call from Jesse Robinson, who was training heavyweight fighters for for DK at the time, and he says, "Look, uh, Don will see you." You need to get to Fort Lauderdale like right now. I was in uh, Daytona Beach and so or Orlando. I think I was in Orlando. So jumped in the car, drove to, to South Florida, went in to see King and, you know, was just like shaking. Here I am. I'm the coal miner's daughter from a town of 500 people. And I'm sitting across the table um, negotiating with Don King. I mean, not really, but negotiating, I guess. Right. And, and uh, so you're so, you know, so out of your league. I had a VHS tape and wanted to try to show him um, some of my highlights. Well, he didn't have his VCR stuff set up because they just moved into a new office. He just watched me shadow box. He did his famous laugh and he's like, that's signer. And then right away, I, I signed with him in October of 93 and I fought on the first show with him, November, I mean, January of 94, which was the Chavez Randall first card. MGM Grand, that was the first show held at the MGM Grand. So, you know, I mean, huge exposure right off the bat. I mean, right off the bat. I remember that, too. I remember when the MGM Grand opened up. I remember when that all went down. Well, what's amazing to me, Christy, is, like, you had that tape. He couldn't even pop it in, and you shadow boxed with him or for him, and he signs you right on the spot, and then you get this real exposure, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're on the undercard of a Mike Tyson fight. What did you think when you found out you were fighting on the same card as Tyson? Unbelievable. I mean... It all goes back to I'm such I'm such a small town girl, um, coal miner's daughter. You know, I, I, how do you get this kind of exposure and and this kind of opportunity? But he gave me a great opportunity. I worked by busting my butt and tried to make sure that I was ready to take advantage of that opportunity. And and thank goodness, you know, I was I was in great shape. Uh, Deirdre Gogarty was 
tough as nails and and we put on a great show that night and really changed in my opinion we changed the way that women's boxing is is looked at today let me tell you everything changed that night literally everything changed that night like like when you were walking into the ring christy that night it seemed like the fans they had not fully wrapped their head around this notion of women boxing like you're coming in and people are booing you on the way to the ring because they just didn't get it yet what was that walk to the ring like that night yeah, but but I have um, I have a lot of that I'll show you attitude. So in in some ways it was just adding fuel to the fire that was already burning inside me that um, I'm going to show you you're going to regret you know all the negative every everything you've said every how you feel you think this is beneath you to watch these two women fight. By the time this fight is over, you're going to be fans. And that's what happened with a lot of people that night. This is exactly what happened that night. That fight was a war. It was electric. It was violent. What do you remember about what happened inside the ring that night? Oh, my goodness. It was um, it was a war. I mean, Gogarty, she was so she was just tough. She could, And she could fight. She, could, she threw nice punches. Um, she hit me with a really good right hand early, early in the fight. I think it was the first round. Broke my nose. And, and the blood just started going everywhere. And I, I was just got nervous, like as the rounds went on and, and uh, Flip Omansky was the doctor, ringside physician at that time. And he would come by my, my corner and I, you know, every time I, no, no doc, I'm good, I'm good. Don't worry about me. And, but the excitement, I mean, when they were getting ready to introduce us, I remember looking around the ring and you just, you knew everybody. Of course, you, you know, none of them personally, but you recognize everybody because they're either a famous athlete, um, actress, actor, musician it's somebody that you've seen on tv and it was you know again how, how do you get there from where i'm from when you want to find great rates organize your finances or just make smarter money decisions lending tree is here for you with the lending tree app you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you Monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights into saving money and reaching your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. Christy, there was so much blood that fight. I mean, there was so much blood. You literally left it all out there. You told the story that after the fight, you went and you laid down in the shower and you thought that you were dying. You made it back to the hotel room finally. Your voicemail was totally full. Who were the types of people who called you that night? It was crazy. I get back to the hotel room and there, uh, the voicemail's full. It's full of people from like the Today Show, Jay Leno. Um, it's just uh, over in all kinds of like very famous shows. And, and I thought, this is a terrible joke. I mean, I just fought my ass off why would somebody joke me like that so i called on uh, my pr guy from showtime at the you know it was working with us during that time and and he's like you don't get it christy you, you should be down here because no one's talking about anything but your fight 
and so, and he you know came up to the room and he starts taking down the names and numbers and the next week i mean i flew from vegas like to new york to do the today show with katie Couric. it was just uh, ongoing and and one thing after another. All right, so it's amazing, right? So th this changes in a moment. Not only are you on the Tyson card, you stole the night. I mean, you were the star of the night on a night where Mike Tyson fought, and then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and you're living the dream. You come from this tiny little town. You're making crazy money. You're on these network shows. You're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Professionally and publicly, it could not have been even better, or it couldn't have been better, but what was your personal and private life like at that time? That's what I say, Jim, you know, the, on, in front of the camera, I was on top of the world, but behind the camera, the world was on top of me. Um, it, it was just hell. It was hell. It was always uh, a threat of what I'm going to do to you. If you leave me, I'll kill you. I, I mean, I went as far as to write a contract and try to get him just to divorce me and leave me with any, any responsibility, whether it be financial or any other kind of responsibility, I'll take it on, just leave, just get out of my life. And um, of course he wouldn't, it, would, it was always, if you leave me, I'll kill you. And, um, you know, like I said, at first I didn't really believe that, but as time went on, I was with him for about 20 years. And as time went on, I knew that this is the way it was going to end. He would, he would kill me. And I, I just got so low in my life that I accepted it. It's okay. I'm ready to die. Christy, there was a time when he, Martin, you and he actually sparred. What? Why did you spar with him on that day? And what happened when you guys got in the ring together? It actually happened twice. And, uh, you know, we, we would laugh early on. Like, you know, it was hard for me to find sparring always. So as long as I as long as long I had him, you know, I would have a built-in sparring partner was, was the, the, um, the conversation we had between each other. But... For some reason, I couldn't, there was no one to spar and this happened twice. Uh, he knocked me out both times. And, and the first time, even though I knew it wasn't an accident, he tried to kind of play it off, but it wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident the first time, it wasn't an accident the second time. And then, you know, he says in the documentary that basically he had to show me. Well, I, I didn't go at him like I was trying to knock him out. I was actually trying to move and work and 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 work as professionals do but he wanted to uh you know he had to knock me out and show me that's what he did yeah i want to say christy also you when you say he knocked you out i mean he knocked you out you would never even taken a knee before you would never been dropped before and he flat out knocked you out and one more point that we have not discussed he he's 25 years older than you right right i mean you you clearly could have heard him he was looking to send you a message and then you fought Layla Ali in 03, right? Like in retrospect, not the best idea because as great as you were and you're a Hall of Famer, she was just so much bigger and so much stronger and so much younger. And you took a terrific beating that night. He could have stopped that fight. He should have stopped that fight. Yet he kept sending you back out there for more punishment. And you finally did take a knee. And in the doc, you say, that was the worst 10 seconds of my life, at least until that point. Why was that? Why would you consider that the worst 10 seconds? Because I quit. Hmm. I quit. I quit on me. I quit on boxing. I quit on my, you know, my, my friends, my family. Um, I quit. It's the hardest, it's the hardest thing to accept. And, and, you know, I, I, I realized Layla was a lot bigger than, than me height wise, weight wise. She's young, she's strong. Um, 
but I, w- I was really still confident with all the and all that really to the side. It doesn't even matter. But Jim could have saved me. You know, he could have, um, even though I may always feel that I quit or know that I quit, he could have stopped the fight. And therefore, I could have always had the argument. Oh, but I wanted to continue on, even though in my heart of hearts, I would know that I couldn't have really continued on. Um, but he could have saved me, but he wasn't about to do that. He was, he wanted me to stay on my knee and he wanted me to have to quit. He, he wanted the loss to be on me. It was like every, you know, with all the fights, all the wins, all the big fights, we won, but I lost against Layla. Right. Right. No, he got the credit if you won or he would take it, but then if it didn't go well, that was on you. And then again, this is obvious, right? Things are getting worse and they're starting to spiral Christy, and then suddenly you tried cocaine. You started using cocaine. When and why did that actually start? How did that happen? It, it was like one day he came home from the gym. He's like, hey, one, one of the fighters, he says he he's, wants to prove to me that he's getting clean, and he drops a baggie of coke on the on the table. And and I've always, I've always drank, you know, and had some drinks and stuff after a fight and celebrate. And, but I've never really use drugs like that. I, and I, um, I would just, I just left it lay there for a couple of days. And finally I was like, you know what? I am so freaking miserable. I, I don't, I don't care. And, um, you know, went in, you, you do one line and you do another line and then it's, Oh, I'll just, I'll just do it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It was every day. If I was awake, I was high. Uh, I took pills to go to sleep. I just before as soon as I would wake up, he would bring a line to me before I even got out of bed. I would be in the gym working out, tell him I'm tired with my gloves on. He would go crush up a line and bring it to me. Um, you know, he made it he made it easy for me to stay high. He he was my supplier, but because of cocaine, it gave him another way to control me. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks and then a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds that you get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up a bit. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think it's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Hence the title of this documentary, Deal with the Devil. In fact, Chris, you say at one point that you would hide baggies of it and then they would disappear. What happened to them? Where did the bags go? Yeah, so I would I would think I was being being uh, sly, I guess, or slick and... Um, I would take a little Coke and put in my own little baggie and then hide that baggie. And those baggies would always disappear. And at first I was like, damn, you know, you're high. You're thinking, oh, what, you know, I must, I must have just forgot where I put it. But then, then I realized, no, because he has cameras watching everything I do, 
he sees me basically stealing my own cocaine and, and he knows where I'm putting it. So that's why he's able to always find, find it. Um, yeah, it was just, he, he had control of everything. He controlled, he controlled everything. He, he videotaped and had audio tape running of everything going on in that house. So this, you're trying to live through this one night, as you point out in the doc, you're high, you go on Facebook and you reconnect with an old friend, Sherry. And well, okay. First of all, who was Sherry? Sherry was, um, my girlfriend from high school and, you know, we had been together throughout high school where I was young and she was graduating. So yeah. And it was not, not going to be accepted in my little town. And back in the, we're talking about back in the eighties. So, you know, we tried to hide, but a lot of people, suspected i guess that that we were lovers and maybe maybe she was my first love and so i i thought you know i i just wanted to have that feeling again before i died yeah, i was so, pretty sure i was gonna die soon so and in, in fact you so you reconnect and you're communicating and you're talking to sherry and then one day you've had enough one day you tell jim look i'm going to see sherry i am going to see sherry what was his response that day at first he said to me, it's like, oh, so, so can I go? And I'm like, of course you can't. But as I walked out the door, he said, if you leave me, I'll kill you. And I just stopped and turned around and looked him straight in his eyes and said, Jim, do what you have to do. And as I drove away that day, I, I knew that that the end was near. So, Christy, you come back November 23rd, 2010. What happened on November 23rd? So on November 23rd, I get back and I'm telling him, you know, I have this terrible headache. I want to go to the gym, but I've got to lay down. My head's just pounding. And so I went, I laid down for a while. The entire time I'm laying down, I hear him out there sharpening a knife, sharpening a knife. But, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, I never thought about that he was going to stab me because he sharpened knives often. And um, I just never thought of that. I always thought he was just going to shoot me. So I went, I laid down. He kept calling people, talking real loud, standing right by the bedroom door, sharpening his knife, talking to people on the phone, telling them that I left him for a woman, that, uh, you know, how terrible a person I am. And finally, I decided I'm going to get up. Well, about the time that I got up, I got one shoe on. I'm going to go for a run. I got one shoe on. And uh, he, he came in the room and he says, I have something to show you. And I'm like, what and he kept putting his hand behind his back and finally i leaned out and i was like, see he has a knife in his shorts and then it was like i said what are you gonna do kill me and i really you know i said it but i wasn't really thinking it at that time um and boom he immediately started stabbing me he cut me up and cut my leg really really bad and i don't know we just we, we fall we tried to i tried to get the gun i felt a gun in his pocket i tried to get it from him i couldn't get the gun from him I, I was able to get the clip out, so he had one shot at me. But during this time, he had cut his own hand, so he actually had gone out to clean up his own wound and just left me laying there. And I'm like, oh, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to get out. Every time I tried to get up, blood would squirt out all these holes in my body, and I just just would lay back down. And then really, finally, I realized that he has to kill me because he he, he can't let me get out of here he can't get me help he can't he can't let me live i mean my lung is punctured so i know i have to have i have to go to the hospital it's not this isn't just going to heal itself um 
Yeah, so I knew it was over. Christy, you said the most amazing thing to him in the midst of this. I mean, there's this terrifying struggle when you realized that he was not going to spare your life, when you realized he was not going to take you to the hospital. I, I mean, I could state what you said. Do you remember what you said to him before he shot you? Absolutely. He held a gun right on me, and I told him, you know, I had the balls to shoot me. But, you know, and then he shot me. Like, And I just, I remember, like, you shot me, you know. I, uh, but you knowing me from boxing, yeah, you might be a little surprised that somebody would tell somebody that that's holding a gun to him. But at the same time, you know, that I have that streak, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to talk shit to you, especially now that I know that, that you're going to kill me. So why, what am I going to do? Be nice. Christy, not only did you say to him, you don't have the balls to do it. What you said, and if you don't mind me saying this, you said, quote, fuck you. I never loved you. You were a piece of shit the whole time. I've been your personal ATM. You don't do anything but use me, and you don't have the balls to shoot me. That's exactly what you said to him, right? Right. He does, but he got cut in the middle of this whole thing, and he goes to the shower, as you mentioned, to tend to it. So now you've been stabbed you've been shot, you've been pistol whipped, you had your head smashed off a dresser by this guy. Chrissy, I understand that you are fierce. I understand that you're as tough as any boxer. How did you make it out of the house that night? Because God has a plan for me. And, um, you know, I just prayed. I'm like, um, after he shot me and he did go out of the room, I, I prayed. I'm like, God, you know, please give me some sign. Let me get out of here some way somehow and um i heard the shower water turn on and when when i heard the shower water turn on i'm like that's my sign and it was almost immediately i mean i prayed boom the shower water came on and so i knew that i had just a few minutes to get up and get out and when i when i got up i um i picked up the car keys and he had he had come in he, he wiped the gun down and he wiped the knife down that he stabbed me with and the gun he had shot me with so i picked up the gun and took it with me and I picked up the car keys. When I get to my car, it's the keys to the wrong car. So now my choice is to go back into the house or to go to the middle of the road and my, you know, it's like my neighborhood, but out to the main road. And um, my, I'm going to go, I'm going to go truck carjack somebody. And the first guy I'm standing there with a nine millimeter, in my hand, blood everywhere. I have a shirt trying to hold, uh, holding it against me, you know, trying to hold the blood in. And um, the first car goes by me and I'm cussing him. I, you know, I'm thinking, how in the hell can you go by me? And the second guy, Rick Cole, my angels, he stopped and, you know, I handed him the gun. I got in his back seat and he, you know, he called 911, told him that he had Chrissy, Chrissy Martin in the car and I had been stabbed and shot by my husband. And um, he took me, he took me to the hospital and I, I kept asking him, you know, please don't let me die. And then, then I would say to him, I'm sorry, sir, I'm bleeding all over the back your back seat. And so I, I still see, I still see him from time to time. And he'll be my angel and be in my life, hopefully, until until it's over. So, Christy, like, if, if it ended right there, this is, like, one of the most amazing stories ever. Like, you, like I said, you are the fiercest and the toughest, and you somehow survived that. But that's not where that story ended. Like, you wanted to fight again. What, why was it so important to fight again? And when did you start training again? Well, I thought it was important to fight again because I wanted to show Jim that I could win without him. And, and, um, 
I, I was in the hospital for about, I think it was about eight or nine days. And the next day, the day after I got out of the hospital, I went to, and I had my own boxing gym. So I went to my gym and, and started to work out. I still had the bullet in my back. I had <laughs> hundreds of stitches in my leg. Um, but I, I just, I was where I was safe. I was in the boxing ring. Chris, you're in the ring less than two weeks later, right? You 100 stitches. You have a bullet in your back still. And, and I mean, clearly not fighting was not an option. You wanted that 50th win and you want to show him that you can win without him. So then it got set. You and Dakota Stone, June 4th, 2011, you return to the ring. You were looking for your 50th win, a win without him. For those who don't know the story, what happened in the ring that night? Well, first of all, Jim, I was actually supposed to fight in March on the um, Kodo versus Mayorga pay-per-view card mm. that Top Rank promoted. And I had gone back to the gym in January, was training with Miguel Diaz in Las Vegas, and um, sparring, I got my rib broken, severely broken. And it was this, it was the same rib that the, the bullet had gone through. Um, so when I got hit on it, it just broke. It broke in two, so I couldn't, couldn't fight in March. So... Aaron moved me over to June rematch with Dakota stone. I, um, go into the fight, you know, looking for that 50th win. I've already beaten Dakota once. So I'm confident, but still nervous. I really haven't been, I mean, I've been through a lot since the last time we fought and I hadn't trained that much. Um, I mean, I trained hard for six months, but six months wasn't much compared to the trauma that my body had been through. And, and then to the time I had taken off prior so the fight's going like the second round. I, I hit a really with a great right hand, but I broke my right hand. I knew I felt it. I knew it was broken. I had broken it the time before. So I knew exactly what had happened. Um, but I keep fighting. I think it was the third round. I, I just sucked it up. I threw a right hand, hit her right on the chin and dropped her. But it was the only time she'd been dropped in her career. But it was one of those knockdowns. It wasn't really a flash knockdown, but I knew she was getting up. So she gets up, my hand's broken. I just I just tried to live with the jab, the hook, keep moving. I'm beating, I'm beating her. I'm winning every round. And in the last round, for some reason, the right hand was open and I and I throw it, a one-two. And when I threw it, I, I winced a little bit. And uh, the referee took me over to see the doctor. And I'm begging them, you know, it's 50 seconds to go. It's from my 50th win. I'm fine. Everything is good. I'm winning the fight. She isn't hitting me. Um, just give me 50 more seconds. Begging him, begging him, begging him, please don't stop the fight. And he stopped the fight. The doctor stopped the fight. Um, later, that doctor told me, said, Christy, remember you spoke at a ringside physician conference not too many years ago. And you said that we as ringside physicians, we as cornermen, we as referees, we have to protect fighters from themselves. And I was like, yeah, fuck you. I wasn't talking about me. Um, Christy. Come on, man. I mean, I have 50 seconds for my 50th win, Jim. How do you stop a fight? I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I've been left for dead. And you going to stop a fight on me? I, I still get mad about it. <laughs> the fucking best, Christy. You are absolutely the fucking best thing. I mean, yeah. And if you see the video, you were, oh, my God, you were so upset. You were, you you were effusive. Like, you're like, no, you are not stopping this fucking fight. And the thing was, you didn't have to throw that right hand. You were so far ahead on the cards. You were dominating that fight. You were 50 seconds away from this whole thing. And so th then there's that. And then you have surgery, and then surgery was something different. And then you suffered a stroke. I mean, it never, ever ends. 
Martin ends up getting 25 years. 25 years in prison. If he lives that long, he'll be 92 when he gets out. Is there any chance this guy makes it out? Jim, I tell you, I think that he he makes it out because that's that's just the asshole that he is. Um, And the day he makes it out is the day that, I mean, I have to keep looking at my shoulder. I still at sometimes do today because he told me, you know, if I don't kill you, I have somebody do it. Uh, so, so sometimes I still get nervous. Uh, there was a guy that was in prison with him, uh, like about three years ago, I got released and he sent me a message that Jim wanted me to, to call this guy to get a message from Jim. Of course I didn't, I copy and pasted it and sent it to the prosecutor, but, um, you know, I, sometimes I, I never 100% feel safe, even, even, you know, in my neighborhood now, I sometimes I'm running. I think, uh, you know, a car goes by me slow or something. Who is that? Why? Why did they slow down? It's crazy stuff. But. You bet. You bet. I understand. I mean, I understand that, of course. So before you go, Christy, you so you do the hard work as you always do, and you find love, and you find love. But it's not Sherry Lusk. Who did you find love with? Yeah. So. I, I found real love in um, Lisa Hollowine, who was my opponent on the Rockman Lewis rematch card in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay back in November of 01. Um, yeah. So we had, we had, <laughs> it was funny. It was a really good fight. It was, it was probably the best fight that I fought in my entire career. If you watch it, I mean, she's, she's strong. She's really strong. At least it is. And I had to fight with my brain more than my brawn. And, um, and I think it was really the best fight that I ever had. And, and she, so I won. And then we didn't talk for a couple of years. And um, Jim actually, for some reason, invited her to come in and spar with me. And she, so she did. She came and sparred with me a couple of times. And then after the shooting and stabbing, she called to check on me. And then it was kind of like randomly, she would touch base with me. And finally she says, you know what? This was in 2017. She's like, I'm going to come to Charlotte and watch one of your, your uh, professional promotions. I'm like, sure. Really not thinking that she's gone to, but yeah, why not? So she did. And I remember being at the airport to pick her up. And as she walked to my, to my car, I looked at my rearview mirror. I was like, wow, she, she's pretty sexy. And then uh, I took her out. I got her drunk and took advantage of her. I think that's amazing. That's what I think about that. I think, Christy, I mean, I'd, tell me, I'm, I don't want to be out of, out, of, out of school when I say this, but you kicked her ass in the ring and then you got her drunk and took advantage of her and then you ended up with her. What an amazing story. Yeah, what an amazing story. Yeah. But now, you know what? The truth is, that's the only fight I've won with her. Um, not that we we don't have many fights, but there any disagreement any anything you know she's she's won all those since 01 but that's okay it's it, good she's very supportive she's like 100 behind christy martin promotions and and let's find us a great champion you know make let's build us a great champion and take somebody to the top top of the boxing world and then with christy's champs my nonprofit for uh, domestic violence she travels with me and goes to all the uh, the events and each time she hears more people speak and it's just she can't believe it. And that's where I think mo- a lot of people in this world are. They just can't believe that another human being will be so not just physically, but mentally, emotionally um, abusive to, to someone that they supposedly love. 
or, or that somebody could endure all that and then come through the other end. So final question, and Christy, I'm so glad that we could have this conversation. When you consider your life and all the turmoil and all the abuse and a life that you nearly lost, how happy are you right now? You know, I, I'm very happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. The The only thing I, I, I wish my boxing promotion would take off just a little bit. Um, but, but I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. But as far as this life, I'm happy. I'm blessed. God has uh, left me here, like I said, for something. And that the only thing I can figure out is just to keep sharing my story, making more people aware about domestic violence and, and, and also sexuality. Because so many parents, their, their children come to them and say, I'm gay or I'm you know this or that. And it doesn't just have to be sexuality. It could be anything that would make you so what something would call different. Um, they just, hopefully parents will take from this that I have to support my child no matter what. Okay, so really quickly, I know you have to go up, but to that point, when Martin used to say to you, do Christy, you'd better not say that. Do not let people know you're gay. The boxing community will turn on you. The fans will turn on you. But then when you came out, what was the actual reaction? just the opposite it, it was more the, the the reaction was probably this Chrissy we knew he was a creep all along we knew you know there was something wrong with him and I would say to people why didn't you tell me I mean I thought I was the only one that saw it even though I know that um even if everybody would have told me it's the place you still have to figure it out for yourself it's like a drug addict you know you have to get to that point where you're ready to be done with it yourself such an amazing thing, Christy. Like, I, you and I, and I'm so glad that you remember that you and I used to speak back in the day because I always got such a kick out of you, such a kick out of watching you fight and how tough and how fierce you were. I was heartbroken watching this documentary, imagining what you must have gone through. But I, I have so much respect and so much admiration for you. I think you are so tough and so smart. In terms of your boxing promotion, maybe it's not exactly where you want to be right now. But it's going to be like it, it's always been with you. You will will it your way. And I'm so glad that we could get caught up. I want to congratulate you. I want to steer everybody to this Netflix untold documentary entitled Deal with the Devil. It's an amazing and riveting thing to see. And I'm just so happy you and I can get caught up, Christy. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, dude, I appreciate it. I was, I was, made me smile really big when I saw your name on the list today. What an absolute honor to catch up with Christy Martin. She is an amazing person. Very few have ever made it through the struggles or overcome the struggles that she has overcome in her life. And as you can hear, she didn't just make it through. She is stronger and happier than ever before. So I want to thank her for sharing her story and taking so much time to join us. And it was just so great to get caught up with her. Christy Martin truly is one of a kind. Now, if you enjoyed that conversation, there are a lot more where that came from, such as episode 187, which will drop everywhere you get your podcast next week. And if you would take just a second to subscribe, you will not even have to track it down. It will find you instead. Until then, let me hit you with this week's voicemails. First new message. Romy, Justin, and Melbourne, man. You know what I love about football season? It brings out some of the old voicemailers out of hibernation, like that David in Buffalo. I mean, guy reminds me of a poor man's Raider Micah. He's got some good football takes. He'll mix in a golf take every once in a while, but guy's very long-winded, and the problem is he doesn't have enough range, man. I mean, once the season's up, 
Dave packs his bags and it takes off about six months. So if he can work on that a little bit, he'll be like the uh, calling elite, like Dr. Dave. I mean, every once in a while, Bella B tries to jump in. Other than that, step your game up, Dave. Get a little bit of flexibility on some of your phone calls and uh, we'll be listening. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. I'm calling in, man, about uh, your rant with Trubisky. And there's no doubt that was cool to see on Saturday. Proves that not only the Bills now have a confident backup, if anything ever did happen to Allen, but you know what it proves, man, is coaching is everything in the NFL. Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, the entire Bills staff, these guys know how to coach football players. Good coaching separates teams. But you know what? You're going to see this guy rehab his career here in Buffalo. I'm telling you one thing. He's going to be a starter one day again in the NFL. A lot of that is because of Dayball and the organization, man, putting him in the right place. So I'll tell you one thing. We can't wait for the season to start on the 12th here, man. We're going to whip the Steelers' ass like a government mule. I'm out, Rome. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Vince Magus Brady? I don't know if the NFL needs to cut down on taunting, but if they're serious about this, then they need to retroactively penalize and fine Tom Brady for running all the way across the field, getting right up in Tyron Matthews' face, and saying something so offensive that no one can even repeat what he said. I can't stand that dude. I need to keep my name out his name. Message deleted. Next message. Bro, me Rome, doggy dog. This is Brett from PDX. Bro, you turn. <laughs> I remember the Robert Plant interview. And knowing you were going to go. And knowing what a dumb you were for not going. I just knew it. Anyway, so now, are you going to try to catch up? You're going to go bow fishing? I mean, that sounds pretty fun. Trust me. I'm not a fisherman at all, but, you know, taking a bow and just shooting a big, badass carp, that'd kind of be cool, but my man. Really? <laughs> okay. Peace out, Roby. Message saved. Next message. Hello. This is Dr. Ken in San Antonio, and I'm here to talk about something serious. It's called Jungle Tourette Syndrome. Yes, it's real. Have you ever been at a party and say, mm, let's get totally trash? Mm. Have you ever seen the national anthem and said, rocket spread glass? Have you ever told your wife after a bad lovemaking session, I'll make up for it now? Please, for only pennies a day, give to Jungle Tourette Syndrome of America. You could be the change. You could be the difference. Have you ever been at a family reunion and said, give me back my son? Please don't do that. Please stop embarrassing your family. Stop embarrassing your friends. Have you ever told your father-in-law, I'm going to rip your beard off and make you eat it? Please do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for the sake of mankind. And most of all, do it for America. Again, for pennies a day, please give. Be the difference. Again, this is Dr. Ken in San Antonio. You know who the hell I am? Message deleted. Next message. Yimmy, it's Patrick in Penticton. Malice in the palace. Let's all put the blame exactly where it needs to be. On Ron Artest. Err, metal world peace. Yeah, yeah, I know, mental health issues. And no, he shouldn't have been suspended for the whole season. But let's not cry for these guys and make them out to be the victims. Yeah, O'Neill got railroaded in the media, and their suspensions were absurd. But all that blame goes to our test. 
None of this would have happened if not for his cheap, hard foul at the end of a blowout game. And then Meta had a second chance for none of this to happen and screwed that up by racing after someone who hit him with a half-ounce container in the chest. Psst, please. Message saved. You have no more messages.